Welcome to Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast, a podcast where we take down Scott Pilgrim, take down a peg. Oh boy, this guy's going down this oh, week. Yeah. And this episode, we are going to be really sticking it to Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness, the third volume yeah. of the series by Brian Lee O'Malley. I'm Alex. I'm going to make this sadness more infinite. I'm Justin. <laughs> I'm Pete. And if you haven't read the book, spoiler warning, we're going to be talking about it in depth here. But it was published originally on May 25th, 2006 by Oni Press. Oh, uh, what a year. Uh, one of oh, the yeah. best years. <laughs> what a time. I feel like that's right when we met, right? It's we were right, right in there. Yeah, we definitely we started around then with Comic Book Club. And I think I think we that talked about the, something. The beginning of the infinite happiness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's never stopped. This book isn't only created by Brian Lee O'Malley. He also put a couple of guest comics in there. You got Jackie Lesnick, Aled Ahad, Andy Helms, John Allison, and Daisy McGuire. Also, we talked about last time that Scott Pilgrim versus the World lost out on a bunch of awards. This actually won an award. It got a special award for humor and comics ding, ding. in 2007 from the Harvey Awards. At the same time, it also lost two more awards at the Harvey Awards. But They lost the Pulitzer to the um, the people who broke open the, the George W. Bush scandal. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we know uh, times and dates on this podcast. What? Now, here's the thing. To the point of winning an award, this is considered by many to be the high watermark of the series. Like this is Mm. it's nadir, if you will, which we'll talk about in Mm. a second to talk through the plot very quickly. We pick up back. Is that what you're trying to say? Um, sure. I I don't think that's actually what we're saying here. And we'll get to why in a second, but to talk about the plot a little bit, if it's been a while since you read the book, we're picking up on the cliffhanger of the last volume where it's, we, we finally meet Scott's, ex-girlfriend, the one that's totally torn him up. It's Envy Adams. She is a big rock superstar now. She's Ooh. the lead singer of The Clash at Demon Head, which is a very popular band. They've been on magazine covers and otherwise. But which, in, I don't know if you guys remember, but that used to be very cool. Magazines? Like cool spot. Magazines in airports, right? Next to... Yes. Um, the they're in the pocket on your airplanes. Uh-huh. And it's it's sort of like a tiny internet that you can't swipe. Mm. Hmm. You know, so you're talking about those things uh, in the dentist office where I would be looking for different shapes and pictures and stuff. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, highlights. Yeah, the, the highlights, highlights magazine. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you if you consider highlights to be your number one magazine, yeah. Pete, I got I've, been, I've been to the airport with Pete. He walks straight to the the newsstand. He's like, "Hey, give me your latest issue of highlights." And I'll tell you what, every time they have it. A lot of times, I'll go to Pete's house and just take his his um, all of his stuff and just strew, strew like make a huge mess all over his apartment. He has to find which match which of the things are connected. Just uh, to spitball here a little bit, what if I finish the plot and then we go into oh, not okay, talking sure, about sure, this sure. Sure. As long as we're spitballing. I got okay. more on magazines, but okay, okay let's We got go. a tight five on magazines. So yeah. <laughs> we find out about Evie Adams. We get a lot of flashback and a lot of backstory about her, how she became Envy Adams, how she took on that name, their relationship with Scott. And at the same time, we find out a lot more about Ramona Flowers as well, because she used to date Todd Ingram, who is a vegan who plays in Envy's band. He's got yes. vegan powers. This leads not oh, to man, just one fight, powers. but multiple fights and multiple challenges throughout the course 
um, yeah, this volume. And we dig bites. into a lot of the other characters as well. We get more about Knives Chow here. Um, we get a little bit of reconciliation between her and Scott, kind of. Um, and yeah, then, Honesty. Honesty. And then by the end of the book, we even, and this is potentially a spoiler if you haven't read it, but we even get our first real glimpse at the big bad of the series, Gideon, as he shows up to check out what's going on with Scott and Todd after the big fight there. And after Sex bob plays a moderately successful gig, so good for them. So to get back to the critical thrust of it all, what did you guys think? Does this live up to the retroactive hype? Well, let me say that I feel like this is the book that feels like a very confident issue. Like it is – everything's like all of the the character games are in place, all of this sort of uh, little series runner things, like all the meta commentary about the book. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, at this point in the book, we should be doing this. Like all that stuff is just locked in. We know what the jokes are. And uh, I feel like Brian Lee O'Malley has a real handle on the characters and the plot, and it's all just moving. And I really appreciate that. It's a very funny volume. You get to see Scott really suffering. It steps back from the rom-com of it all. Scott and Ramona feel very comfortable together. Everything's working in this for me. Pete, what about you? What was your take on it? Uh, Yeah, I do think it uh, lives up to the hype. I think it's one of those things where, you know, uh, you know, seeing the movie and all that kind of stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, this line, this, uh, you know, if I peed my pants, you know, uh, would you guys, you know, the, like all the different stuff that it happens in Wait, this. Wait, did you pee your pants in the <laughs> yeah, movie? Yeah, sorry, was that a line or, or a uh, line from you guys? Uh, you guys aren't peeing your pants right now? <laughs> right now? <laughs> that's my secret cap. I'm always peeing <laughs> oh, my pants. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We're old now. Uh, I think it's one of those things, though, where it's like. It depends. It de- oh boy! Yeah. Oh Go no! Go to bed. Dad jokes. What? What up? Uh, yeah, I just think that there's a lot of really great moments, a lot of stuff that they took and uh, directly kind of put into the movie and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think this is a banger issue. The whole vegan power thing is hilarious. The whole kind of Todd of it all is great. And I forgot about the challenges. I remember the base battle and the fight, but I forgot about the kind of physical challenge. Uh, you know, in the record store and stuff. The so, race through honest heads, the worst yeah, exactly. thrift store in existence, or most terrifying. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was I, I love this. I, I like your estimation of it, Justin, that it really does feel like everything is coming together. You know, I talked a little bit about how first volume is this shot across the bow of creativity where it's just throwing wild stuff at you and it eases you into it over the course of the volume. But it's a video game world that's a comic book world that's a manga world that's also a rom-com but a real world. There's a lot of stuff there. It's just this big idea volume. And then the second volume is putting a lot of pieces out on the board and figuring out how this all works now that we've thrown all that out there. How do, how do we keep this going long term, you know? And this is, like you're saying, really where that all comes together. All of that wild creativity. We get things like Ramona went to sky school. This is the book where we find that out, which is a great yeah. bit where she's like, you know, the school of the sky, you know, you know about that, yeah. <laughs> which is great. We see it in the distance weirdly. And it's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But okay. 100% the, like a final fantasy or video mm-hmm. game, just like, Oh yeah, that's where you'd go at one point on what level. Yeah. So that's great. Or the thing. It's like, like if Sokovia never crashed back into earth. 
Oh man, that would be great. You guys, you guys look at the world through the Avengers movies, right? One hundred percent, mostly Age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my number one movie. Yeah, real quick, rank the Avengers movies: Age of Ultron, and then the rest of them, right? Uh, I've never seen a one besides Age of Ultron. So there's one before it. Oh my god, I'm not sure, honestly. I'm still but, living in the Age of Ultron. I don't know about that's you. That's my secret cap. I'm always watching the Age of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you're angry. Yes. the Or things like Todd Ingram flying through the moon, that whole bit where he's like, I'm going to use my vegan powers to fly through the moon. And then it's like uh, cut to or uh, they cut out 30 pages of apocalyptic nightmare. So all of these things are like big comic book video game style jokes playing with the form. Yeah. But we're also at the same time getting some real emotion here. Like we're actually seeing Scott in fits and starts grow up the scene of him seeing knives crying because Envy was oh, so mean uh, to her. Oh so my good. God. Him going over, he's still not a good guy, but him going over like he's trying. You see him trying to figure yeah. out how to do the right thing here for knives. And that's great. I love those small character bits. All the stuff with Envy, she's such an interesting character. Ah, so good. Because she is so remote. But again, the way that Brian draws her is like you see the emotion behind her eyes. They're these very broad, cartoony characters, but there's so much character in there at the same time. Not to use the same word twice in a row. Uh, One other thing that I wanted to throw out there before I forget, just in terms of Brian drawing the stuff... I feel like his style changed in this volume. Like, it's not just Envy. Envy is clearly, like, a more angular character. She's yeah, skinnier. She's sharper. Is. But uh, Scott and everybody else, too, the lines feel a little thicker and more confident throughout. I don't know if you guys felt that as well when you were reading it. Yeah, I think confidence across the board. And the from, just from a pacing perspective on top of that, like, the cutting back and forth between the different time periods yep. done in a way where it's like, catch up. Guys, like we're not, he's definitely not hand holding us through all of this. It's just like moving through it. You're learning about all this while it's also happening for Scott in real time, which was a nice sort of like meta narrative of him just constantly being stuck back in his past with Envy at the same time he's moping around and getting closer to her. And we get a great moment with them. Like, there's just so many relationships always on the burners here, and yeah. they're all boiling at different rates. It's really fun. This volume also addresses something that I had an issue with in the two previous volumes where we finally get – it feels like a little bit more about Ramona. Like we get a little bit more of her emotion and her inner life, both through the story about Todd, but just as she actually dates Scott. Yeah, I like how frustrated she is with Scott. You know what I mean? Like she's got to deal with a lot of his stuff and, you know, he's like, are you mad at me? You're like, you feel that kind of stuff. But they're also comfortable with each other in a way Mm -hmm. where, like, I'm reading this issue and I'm like, oh, this is the relationship. Like, there's not a lot in question here. I have something I'll throw out later on in a little bit that maybe uh, you may be able to guess what it is based on our previous (laughs) episodes. But I do think that, like, you feel like they're together together in this in this book. Yeah, definitely. I I guess that's what I'm saying is like, it's more mature. It's a more mature book purposely as the characters themselves get more mature. But that's true across the board. Everybody feels more developed. We get more backstory about Sex bob and find out about Stephen Stills. We get a little bit more about Wallace, definitely more about Kim Pine at the same time, um, which is great. Uh, We get that whole 
we find out about Kim and Scott's relationship as well in this story that Scott is telling. How much of that do you think is true at this point? It, I, I, I mean, I teased this, I want to say 40 seconds ago, but I feel like, <laughs> and I would have been overplaying maybe the Kim truther in me, but like mm-hmm. there are, it's in this book too. Like it's in this story that, Kim and Scott are the sort of uh, the relationship, or at least to Kim. If this was her rom-com, she would end up with Scott at the end of it. And it's not, and definitely in the movie it's not, but in this book we keep getting pulled back to her point of view in a separate way where we're just seeing her perspective. And I don't know, it's compelling. It's going to be hard for me to watch this new animated show and not think we're going to get a little bit of Kim more Kim than we expect. Mm-hmm. I agree with, with you. Uh, I, go ahead. You definitely feel the Kim P pull. You know, like there is a they. It's like um, they just hang on her a little bit extra. You know what I mean? Like you feel things from her perspective a little bit, which I think is great. You also kind of get the okay, you know, we're in this with Ramona. It's day-to-day stuff. Like, we're, you know, the kind of honeymoon phase is wearing off. You're dealing with each other's stuff now, which is great. Um, And, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, then the kind of, like, knives kind of, like, walking away crying, you know, like Mm. kind of leaving things hanging. So it's like it's uh, there's a lot going on relationship wise. And Justin, I, you want to cool it. You're already jumping on your Kim P I don't, ship. I don't want to cool it. Set, set, I don't want to cool it. Your only ship. But I think like, let's, let's ride this out here before we start jumping on our separate yeah, ships. Yeah, let's see what happens. We yeah. uh, never read this before. Question never mark. read it before. We've never <laughs> seen movies based off of it. Different endings right. to movies. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. let's. Well, I mean, enjoy where we it does are feel right fresh. It does feel it does, fresh, actually. Yeah. yeah. It really does. Like we were talking about towards the beginning, I had forgotten a good half of this book. So this one, to me, like the previous ones, I definitely remember the first volume very well. The second volume, mm-hmm. a bit. I don't know. I, I think there's stuff that I have like flashes of for the rest of the volumes. I'm not 100% sure. But this one really felt in certain ways like I was reading it for the first time, particularly with all of the Envy stuff. Um, I also love the fact that, like, she's not really a villain. Like, I like the fact that she doesn't get turned into coins at any point, which I know sounds like an insane thing to say, but I was really worried that Ramona was going to kill her and, yeah, yeah, get some sort of item from her. Not that I love seeing these other characters getting killed necessarily, if that's what's happening, but the fact that Envy like the rest of the characters in this volume realizes she needs to grow up in some way that she needs to change. You get her dressed in not rock star, but normal clothes in those final scenes where we see her before she goes away. She seems humbled by everything that happened with Ramona and Scott. And ultimately she was one way for all of her life there's enough setup here that you could spit it off into its own Envy Adams volume and follow what happens to her next as she tries to grapple with her post-fame life, potentially. And uh, that's interesting. It is interesting. She is a tragic character, but she also does a ton of damage to Scott as well. And that's what I like about it is in different scenes, in different moments, you're rooting for different people at all times. Like it is a, such a nice wheel that you get here, which I think yeah. is such a, a mirror to when we are the age of these characters where we're like, oh man, this person broke my heart. 
but I do want to see him on Friday night. Maybe I'll just bump <laughs> into them and say hi. Like, hey, everything's always sort in motion a little bit, even if it's like, no, I said I would never talk to her again. But we did hook up last weekend. But now I'm fully on board with not talking to her again. But I do I am going to her concert tomorrow night. Like, it, it's just such a... Well, but in a flip way, that's how I felt reading Ramona and Scott in this volume. We were talking about how she's getting very annoyed at him at several times throughout this volume. And I kept hitting that and being like, why are they together? She's so bad at him. But they're also very physically attracted to each other, clearly. And that's... Yes. I don't know that this is a stupid thing to say, but like that is a very true thing to a relationship. You're like, Oh my God, this person drives me insane. But also I'm very hot for them and I want to go hook up with them as much as possible. Hell and yeah. They're at. So there you go. Human well, and I also think sometimes attracted beings. to each other is my big takeaway from this book. That's a great take. You should write Thank some you. sort of sex book about it. Oh boy. <laughs> the Zalbin method. That, that would be known. your infinite sadness, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, but I, I, I do think Envy, like you said, is such an interesting character because like there are people in our lives, or at least I, I'll speak for myself in my life that are just get cool. Like they aren't cool and then they just become cool. And it's something it's a, a switch is flipped and that's what this story is when it comes to envy and she only at the very end does she sort of unflip it and give us a little window in that into the idea that she's not this cruel person that she she is that scott is telling everyone she is can i throw something else out that i think maybe puts this volume up from volume one and volume two is that i think it's more planned out like there's certain there's yeah. a certain riffy improvisation that comes in volume one and volume two. This clearly, even though it's the, very much the middle of the overarching story, feels like a story that has a beginning, middle and end down to those little bits like setting up that the Clash of the Boys are now the boys and Clash and they have these powers and they're like, huh, I wonder if that'll show up later. And it does. Or yeah. having the vegan police come at the end where they yeah, tease that police. maybe there's going to be some sort of deus ex machina thing. And of course, that's exactly what happens. So poking a little fun at that. But it also points to the fact that, I mean, I'm sure he outlined his books before, but this seems more structured, more traditionally structured in terms of a three act, in terms of an arc, perhaps than the other, the previous two books. I think that too. And I also think this is the book where probably the full story was taking shape, like hit some success. It was like, oh, I'm actually going to probably make all seven of these. So now it's time to really figure it out. Yeah. Six. Also, right? six. you know, the, or, sorry, six, six, six. Yes. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. And the secret seventh volume. Well, that's what we're getting in the animated show. That's true. And also the, you know, the fact that like if you're doing a vegan police, you eventually turn this into a movie and have the Punisher play one of the uh, police so you know it's serious. You know, it's like a Thomas Jane Punisher or John Bernthal. Right. Oh, okay. Wow. Star studded. The um, Let me throw out yeah. there while we're talking about vegan police. I feel like so much of this book is is pinned on this vegan joke. And since this was published, it became very much a thing to be like, vegans are blank and making fun of vegans. And I just want to go to bat for Brian Lee O'Malley here. This was written at a time before it was such a hacky joke to make, A. B, this take is about the haughtiness of vegans, not just shitting on them. And I think that's a much smarter version of it. So 
shouts. Totally agree. I mean, the, the basic joke, the idea that like veganism gives him powers, but also he's just eating gelato and tricking Envy Adams into eating gelato because he doesn't care because he's a rock star. I thought that was great. I also completely forgot about what's her name? Lynette Guy, something. I'm blanking on the exact name, but the drummer who the has cyborg. the bio, yeah, bionic yeah, arm. Yeah, bionic arm. Yeah. That's great. That is a great character to just throw in there. And that's something they definitely don't have in the movie. And I really do hope they have in the anime show because it's very fun. Yeah. Great. I mean, if we can talk about that for a second, I feel like the, the anime show is going to just be a little wilder. It's not going to, even as, as wild and ambitious as the movie was, it's still dialed back a lot of the more genre-y choices. And I think we're going to get to see all of those in this show. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I think we'll probably also see stuff that looks a little more actually video gamey just because they're using art instead of real people. Uh, two moments that are just really great, silly video game jokes. One where there's a save point, that, uh, I love the save point because he's about to face a boss. He's yeah, about to face exactly. envy. Of yes. course, there's a save point. I love that. And I also, which is a big deal, is he gets the one up from beating Todd, which yeah. obviously is something that's going to play in later on. I legitimately don't remember how it plays in, but I know it has I, that to. I do. Remember. You do remember yeah. that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, great stuff. I love all that stuff. Love all the character stuff. I love like. All of the asides at the gigs as well. We keep throwing more and more characters onto the pile here, some that never show up again. But it doesn't matter because the bits are so fun. And it's just like in the middle of everything else, it just makes it this lived-in fun world to be in. Very much so. Uh, A couple things just to hit. um, I feel like the – the Gross Point Blake poster that we see later on is such a time capsule. It's okay. in the background of one of the college scenes, I think. Yep. Love all that. I've kissed the lips that kissed you. Yeah. Talk about that's maybe the line that stands out for me. Alex, we've heard yours. Uh for the hair. Yeah. Hair like this. Hair that looks like this. And bread makes you fat. Yeah, bread makes bread you fat. Bread makes yeah. you fat. So those are those are two lines. Pete, we haven't heard any lines for you, but I've kissed the lips that kissed you. Is no, no. He uh, Pete said earlier, uh, I peed myself. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a line that Pete said, right? And that's something that Pete did when he was watching the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not um, to mention while we're recording the podcast. Yeah, one little note that I thought was pretty fun. There's a great joke in the book where somebody asks Ramona, uh, hey, is that your natural hair color? There's a little info box that says, note, this book is in black and white. And then for the color edition, they changed it to, note, this was funnier in black and white. That's great. I hope they they have, again, not to keep talking about our hopes for the anime, but that's something we're like, they can do that joke and be like, "Note this joke makes no sense. <laughs> I bet you that's exactly the kind of joke. I bet there's going to be more meta jokes, especially now we're changing mediums again. Mm-hmm. So I do think we're going to get a lot of that stuff and it'll be super fun. I wanted to um, shout out the moment where um, Scott's locked out of his apartment. Were you guys ever locked out of your apartment in this way? Because, man, that hit me because yeah. I was. Because somebody was hooking up inside or just in general? Uh, but I mean, both technically, mm-hmm. uh, but the thing where it's like, wow, everyone passed out in the apartment and they can't wake up, wake up no matter how many times I'm calling them. So <laughs> I'm just standing outside of this apartment as the sun comes up. Wow. 
which led to me in on some occasions because uh, I could uh, credit card the, our, the front door to our place, several apartments, climbing up on the roof, climbing down the roof, almost falling to my death legitimately. I had waited tables for a whole weekend. I had like $1,000 cash in my pocket. I would have died like, like what's so up with rich. this guy? He's like a drug dealer. No, they would have yeah. been like, this guy's a suspect at something. He's a grand in his pocket. And uh, I, the only window I could reach was my brother's window. He's in bed with his girlfriend. And I came in and he thought I was a burglar. And he's never been more scared. He was like, he jumped out of the bed and was like, no, nope. And then I started laughing. It was a horrible, horrible situation. Uh, that's a good story. Not to jump away from that, but I wanted to get back, like jump back 10 minutes of the podcast at this point. Pete. You kind of touched on this. How are you feeling about your true ship, Scott and Knives? Yes. Well, it's hard. This is a hard issue for sure. Um, you know, he, he kind of, uh, you know, they're, they've moved on, you know, from each other, and in, in, so to speak, uh, in some ways in this mm-hmm. issue. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard right now. That's why I'm trying to stay open and stay positive. I'm hoping maybe if I reread, uh, you know, I might find a different chip, you know, maybe mm-hmm. something that isn't, but. We'll nice. see if you happens. reread this extra hard, maybe it'll go yeah. your way. <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll maybe I'll find a new ship to be on. Yeah, you got to get on the yeah. Young Deal Dive Chow ship. That's the ship that I'm on. She even backed me up in this volume, saying that she likes Young Deal because he's like Scott but smaller. Sort that's of a bummer thing. That, that's, that's a bummer a, thing to say. A, I don't know. That's your oh my god. It's great. That's a that's a rare Ruben, statement. That's bad. That's you bad for everyone. Yeah, everyone yeah. is not. No one looks good in that line. Yeah. <laughs> Any um, other notes for the book that you guys want to call out in particular? I would like to circle back to something you said, Alex. I do think the art um, and you know, mm-hmm. kind of talking about what Justin was saying about being confident, like hitting a sh- like the the jokes and the kind of visual stuff really does a, a great job in this issue. It feels, um, it feels great to be kind of reading in and cashing in on the inside stuff that you were kind of like in the first issue, like trying to get your head around, but now it's just really going at such a nice clip. It's very enjoyable. The art style and the way the humor is kind of meeting in this. So yeah, I, I just wanted to shout out again, the art, uh, even though if you're reading a black or white or a color, there's, there's still humor in each version. hundred percent. A couple of things I want to say. There's a panel where they're like, I think Stephen Stills is like, look, it's almost 3.30 in the morning. And uh, it, that is, yes, that's the exact time that you always call out when it's that time to be like, look, it's either time to go to bed or <laughs> we're going all the way. Yeah, We're going until the sun comes up. It up. Yeah. And 3.30 is that exact right time because 4 o'clock well, the backstop. Yeah, 3.30, you can still make a choice. Yeah, exactly. You can still make some bad decisions in 3.30. I, yeah, well, I think you, that, you're only making bad decisions at that well, point, technically. I don't know. Deciding to go all night isn't, you know, it depends what your next day looks Been like. There. Anyways, I just want to say, though, speaking of time, the, you know, the line where Ramona's like, you know, I'm sure I'll love you again tomorrow. And then it's like Scott trying to sleep like he's awake and it says 730. And I thought that was such a fun kind of like, oh, God, it's tomorrow. Does she still, you know, will she like me is such it really captured it well, I think. Yeah. 
It's beautiful. Uh, I, uh, just real quick, yeah, uh, Stephen Stills wants a damn burrito, damn it. That's his intro line at the top of the book. Love that. Um, I love when a friend goes extra hard on the mean ex, and Wallace is just doing that all day, air day in this in this volume. Very fun. Um, I love when Kim calls Ramona Rammy. Oh, the, yeah. That was a fun moment. And again, the Kim suspicion is real. The book is telling us that it's there. I'm not saying it's going to go all the way, but there's some shit here. There's, I'm not crazy. Do you know what it is? It's the sort of thing where... I think you're crazy. Well, no, no, no. I think like the, there is a world where the book could have gone in the direction of Kim was there at the beginning. They were too young for each other then. They go through all of these other different relationships and ultimately find each other after that, where they're both a little more mature and a little more solid, particularly Scott. Um, but yeah. yeah. Kim feels mature. Yeah. She's at home making her dress all night. She gets right. it. But she's also very angry. Like she has a lot of pain from what, what happened with Scott just leaving her, essentially. Yeah. So that's something she needs to get over as well. She's got to yeah. get over it, you know? Well, don't tell her business. I mean, her name, is, her name is Pine, so it makes a lot of mm. sense. But I wonder if when Brian Liamelli was writing this, if he was like, you know what? I'm going to put a couple, I'm a few characters out there. Ramona, Knives, Kim. And I'll decide as I'm going, which is yeah, who the ones. Will tell me. Yeah, the story will tell me. And, you know, I, I don't, that's a wild way to write your, you know, adventure rom-com. But... Very cool and fun, and we'll see if it ends up differently in the anime. The last thing I want to say is that the resolution of this reminded me of the Umbrella Academy, the way mm. the vegan police show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much felt like uh, a maybe an inspiration for that book where weird, semi-serious things happen in a funny, uh, surprising way. Yeah, that makes sense. I did have That's a question fun. for you guys about the title of the book. Obviously, it's riffing off of Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness. But Hell yeah. Obviously. Oh, my God. Tonight, that tonight. is so obvious. It is. It is. But it is. at the same time, why this title for the book? Like, why the Infinite Sadness? Why was that important, do you think? I think that's what Scott's feeling, and that's one of those hyperbolic statements you make when you've just went through a breakup, and you're like, I'm never going to get over this. I have yeah, infinitely knives. sad. You're talking about yeah. knives. When nope. you break no, up no. with knives, you're infinitely sad, and that's no. what he's talking about. He's moved on so hard from knives that he is at the point where he can comfortably he's be nice to you her. Fooled. He thinks he's moved on, but he doesn't realize how crushed he is by the knives. It's lot. crazy that you haven't moved on, but Scott has. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's that's what it is. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. I also do want to mention I love Dive's rapid evolution throughout these books, particularly yep. in this volume. We're talking about like I just I just started liking music and yeah. talking ah. about like I like song. You know that sort of yeah. thing is very funny and very fun. But also just visually watching her go from just a normal school kid in the first volume to now she is straight up an anime character, maybe a Gotham city character, even like lurking on rooftops or scarfs behind her. Very cool stuff. Yeah. She's brooding. And I love when her highlights get knocked out of her hair. Oh yeah. Great book. Great book. We'll see if it is actually the high water mark as we continue to work our way through all of these from Volume 3 into Volume 4. That's how numbers work. But in the meantime, mm. if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. 
Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Scott Pilgrim. Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, Scott Pilgrim, we're coming for you. We're coming, and, we, and I know you won this round, and we're technically 0-3, but That's we are right. coming. Next, next episode is ours. <laughs>